from the Three Story Method Podcast Network. This is the Serial Fiction Show. I'm Christine Daigle. And I'm J.P. Reinbush. Welcome to the Reader's Serial Fiction Show. Today, we've got an arranged marriage romance by Audrey Carling called The Marriage Auction. What would you do for $3 million? Four women enter into a clandestine auction to be married to the highest bidders. Entangled in a high-stakes game of money, lust, power, and the hope for absolution, these women become a sisterhood unlike any other. Once chosen by a man she's never met and agrees to marry sight unseen, there's no going back. Secrets, desires, fiery couplings, and drama are all part of the deal when you enter into the marriage auction. You may now kiss the bride. Audrey Carlin is a number one New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. She writes stories that help the reader find themselves while falling in love. Some of her works include the worldwide phenomenon, Calendar Girl Serial, Trinity Series, and the International Guy Series. Her books have been translated into over 30 languages across the globe. And now a sample of the marriage auction, episode one. I would not cry. I've shed enough tears over the past four years to fill an Olympic-sized pool. This step, however morally corrupt, was me taking control of my destiny, ensuring the ability to provide for those I hold close to my heart and escape the devil who would destroy any hope I had for a future. Sign here and here. An elegantly dressed woman who looked somewhere north of 50 pointed to the newest set of signatures that would be required on the lengthy contract sitting on the table before me. Her silky black hair was pulled back into a knot at the nape of her neck. The red suit she wore fit her slinky, thin form as though it were tailored to fit. Probably was. The woman reeked of money, clout, and an air of importance. From the slick hairdo down to the black spiked four-inch stilettos that she walked on with zero concern for balance, this woman was filled with confidence. Something that had been beaten out of me over the last few years. I swallowed the sudden dryness in my throat and scanned the page more thoroughly before adding my signature. It wouldn't do me any good to not fully understand the parameters to which I was literally signing my life away. Three years, over a thousand days. By the time the contract was up, I'd be 27 and rich. Losing three years of my youth didn't matter to me. Losing three years with those I loved was a harder pill to swallow. I gritted my teeth and reread one particular section of the contract. This part reiterated what I was willingly committing to for the next three years. Faith Marino agrees to the following. Serve as wife-husband to the highest bidder for a period of three years. Consummate the marriage agreement within 14 days of the marital ceremony. Regular sexual intercourse with highest bidder as defined in Amendment A. Host and attend events as desired by highest bidder. Travel as requested. Reside in dwellings provided by highest bidder. Participate in all required public relations, networking, media events as a happy, willing mate to highest bidder. Serve as stepmother, stepfather to any progeny highest bidder may have in his or her care. 
My breath caught as a scratchy, ugly sensation swirled in my gut at reading that line item. Children had been mentioned once in the inch-high stack of papers that comprised the insanely detailed contract I was signing. However, I'd focused my attention on the references to any accidental children that might come of a marriage where regular sexual encounters were involved. I wasn't concerned with that part as I had an IUD to prevent accidental pregnancies. My heart started pounding as I lifted my head to look at the beautiful woman who'd introduced herself simply as Madame Elena. Excuse me, Madame Elena? Her inquisitive, dark-eyed gaze snapped to mine from where she sat behind a glass desk that had nothing but a computer and a telephone on it. Yes, Miss Marino? Um, this part here, about being a stepmother to the highest bidder's child? Acid spun around in a vortex in my gut, but I held back my desire to vomit. She didn't say a word, waiting patiently for me to spit out what I wanted to know, which honestly was all the more intimidating. Do a lot of the bitters have children? I asked. Hey. Hey. Hey, Christine. Hey, what? Uh, Let's talk about pro writing aid. Oh, let's do it. Because I was using it this week and I just got the new update and it is so cool because it now makes suggestions for inclusive language so if you put in yeah it is awesome so if you put in something like policeman or actress it'll be like hey maybe you should think about this word choice and like not make it gender specific and that is awesome yeah so like yeah i'm looking at the uh article here and it's talking about you know the food was thrown to me by my waitress well you could consider saying server instead and i think that that becomes really helpful when you talk about tertiary characters or those sorts of characters that you don't necessarily need to, you know, put your presumptions on their, their gender or their pronoun usage. And so putting in server just makes it more inclusive. And when it comes down to it, your, your tertiary characters who are reflections of the other, the the rest of the world, uh, they don't need to have uh, those sorts of exclusionary language. hundred percent agree. Yes. Cool. So that's an awesome addition that Pro Writing Aid has. And I think that that just can help to make you recognize how you can be more inclusive in your writing, which is fantastic. Uh, and Pro Writing Aid has like a thousand other amazing ways to make your writing just a little bit better. Uh, so let's go to ProWritingAid.com and let's yeah. sign up for it. And yeah. you can use our discount code. Serial20, S-E-R-I-A-L. 20 but you didn't give have enough reasons to use it already now you got one more go check it out 20 percent discount i loved the start of this story because you have these women in dire straits who are looking for a way out but instead of seeing it as a surrender they see it as taking control yeah so what inspired you to write this serial I, you know what i have this thing when it comes to women being looked at as victims I really want women to be looked at as survivors of some of those difficult circumstances. So having, you know, Faith, who is on the run, she's got some creepy stuff happening behind the scenes. There's a lot of secrets in her backstory that she's not sharing, but she sees this opportunity of marrying a rich man, being a rich man's wife as protection, as security, as well as a way to give her a new chance at life. 
And, you know, she made some choices that really weren't unusual back in the day. You know, you, you get with someone who you think you love and you're happy and then it's just not happy anymore. So, and when that person becomes violent or, you know, abusive in any way, shape or form, there's a, there's a time where you go, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. And when you try to escape and you can't, that's when a lot of things happen for her. So I definitely want to show each woman that was faith being a very strong character. And some of them were timid in their strength. You know, you've got Savannah who left college because her family's land is being taken over by their rival. And it's very much a, um, Hatfields and McCoy situation from the past that happened in like, it's like Oklahoma area where it's a whole history, like a hundred years ago. You guys should go check it out. It's very interesting. My assistant lived in Oklahoma. So she told me about it and I got fascinated, but so she has a situation, her and her sister in where they have this huge legacy of land in Montana. Their rivals want to buy out the land, push them out. Their dad is a horrible man who is spending all their money. He's gambling away their their legacy. And so they feel like this is an opportunity for them to save the one thing that has always been theirs. And so they're going into it with eyes wide open. Sure. I mean, anybody who's going to put themselves for up for auction as a, a marry, marrying a, a person sight unseen is taking a lot of risks. And that's kind of the taboo angle of this story, which I find is what's really intriguing the readership. So it's having these four women in particular, one of them is, you know, a, a stripper that lived in, you know, rural Mississippi in a trailer has a really awful backstory, childhood growing up. And she is straight up happy. She is like, I'm going to soak up every second of this. I'm going to live my best life. I'm going to put my sister through college with this money. She's like, what's the difference between selling my body and selling my hand in marriage? Mm -hmm. And, And that's the way she sees it. She sees it as a very simple decision of her making an awesome choice. So any person, any woman, any man in a similar situation has their backstory, but you know what else? There's also the guys. They all have their backstory too. So we don't know all those reasons why they want to take a wife's side, you know, only seeing them one time, don't have it, never having talked to them. So it's, it's kind of interesting on both sides. And I think that that's what's been so intriguing to the readership at this moment. Yeah. And I really loved how, um, you know, as a reader, you think about if you were in their shoes, would you make this same decision? And I, th- I think what you're saying is that concept is just so intriguing uh, to readers. You know, I've been watching Squid Game, as probably a lot of us have, and it's kind of the same concept, but in a very different genre. Yeah, it's like a social experiment. It definitely yeah. is a social experiment. <laughs> would you do this? Uh, so did you take any inspiration from this uh, from your Calendar Girl series? You know, I did in in the sense that when I wrote Calendar Girl, And the reason why I believe it was so popular is that it is one woman's journey. And this is for women's journey and with some other side characters thrown in for the fun. Um, But it's what would they do? What would each person do if faced with their own strife, their own sacrifices? And how, how would that become something good? And I'm, I'm really a big believer and, and come something bad. I mean, this, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of both. I'm definitely balancing the, the good and negative of it. You know, when you get further into the story, one of them ends up being chosen by the exact person she does not want in life, 
Like it is the absolute worst possible scenario you could ever think of. And she still has to go through with it because she still has to save her family's land. So, and then one is leaving her love of her life to do this. So she's in a a very hard predicament. And that social experiment of, is this bad? Is this good? Is this them taking control of their future? Or is it them making themselves a victim? Is it them surviving their situation? It's so many different little pieces that come come to fruition in this series. And it's going to be in a state of flux throughout the entire saga. And I'm calling it a saga because I'm writing it right now. I'm literally writing it. I wrote yesterday's episode, 23, and I was like dying for it to go live. I was just like, come on, okay, go live, go live, go live. (laughs) Because I really want to see what the people think about each new little nuance of what's happening in their lives. I love that so much. This this story and just like your energy about the story, just like really, you know, it motivates me to read more and I've loved what I've read so far. Um, But I'm going to make you make a difficult choice right now. Um, which character are you excited for readers to read about and why? As in, which is your favorite child? Oh my God, that's so mean. Why would you make me choose between my children? No, it's, you know what I think it is? There's always, when you have multiple leads, there's always one that will probably wiggle its way into your heart a little more at sometimes. And I definitely feel as though I'm more attached to two of the characters, I'm more attached to Faith and I'm more attached to Dakota. Those two, for some reason, I I genuinely, deeply feel their story. And I think the other two, Savannah and Ruby, are growing on me. And I think they're growing naturally and organically. I feel like when I first started writing this saga, I had the frame of mind of Faith's story and Dakota's very clearly. And Savannah's story actually changed. I ended up giving her a different guy than I planned on because I actually, we can't see because we're we're on video, but we're not on video. (laughs) So I have a storyboard that I use and I put pictures on the wall and I put post-its on their faces. So as things change in, in the universe of the story, I can remember little tidbits about them. And I had more information and more connection to Faith and Dakota. So I feel like maybe my writing for those two women in particular is stronger because I'm more attached. So if I had to choose, I would say both of them. Dakota is fiery as hell and I am all about her. I'm all about that fight and fall in love and, and hate and love, you know, mixture. It's, it's that enemies to lovers vibe. You know what I mean? I dig her. I think she's just so straightforward, so right in your face. You do not question where she stands. And Faith, I think she's just so intriguing that her backstory, the fact that nobody knows what's really, really happening and all the secrets that she holds and as her fears and other things come into fruition, it's going to be even bigger. And I'm more excited about her stuff coming out. (laughs) So, But, you know, my little girl, Ruby, she's got two men after her. So... At this point, you know, she's got a lot of options. And then Savannah, she's so sweet. She's just sweet as pie. So we'll have to see what, you know, what happens as the further I go. Right now, Faith and Dakota own my soul. (laughs) So you have women from all different walks of life and different states, different parts Mm -hmm. of the country. 
Uh, is there anyone representing right. your home state of California, or do you have any particular state that you're really excited no. to write about? <laughs> <laughs> Not at this time. I have them. They are in Vegas, which is where Faith came from. And her, her father lives in Vegas and owns an Italian restaurant there. And then I have the sisters, Dakota and Savannah, who are from Montana, and their family farm is on Montana, and their land, the cattle, ranching, horses. And then I have um, Ruby, who's from Mississippi. And then, okay, you get to the guys, and you've got, they're all over. I've got two brothers, which actually aren't going for the two sisters. Isn't that funny? I mean, that could have been a really easy mix. I should have thought of that. No, I'm just kidding. I purposely didn't do that. <laughs> I like the idea of I said identical twins going after the same girl and one being so poised and proper and the other being completely just a playboy. And then we've got Ruby, sweet Ruby in the mix. So, and I don't care who wants me. I, I, I just want to be married. I want the money. I want to live a great life. I'm hooked to this for three years. Let's go. You know, she don't care, um, but she will. And when she gets more choice, cause she hasn't had choice in her life. So now she has choice she gets to ultimately choose who she wants to marry. So they have to vie for her attention and woo her. And they're from England. They're from London, England. So, and then I have Savannah's love interest or auction purchaser buyer is from Norway. And I've been to Norway and I was so obsessed with Norway that I was like, I've got to have a Viking. Like, let's go. Who doesn't want a beautiful Viking bidding on them? <laughs> like, it's fantastic. So and then I have a, the last one is um, Greek, who's from Santorini. So yeah, they're, they're kind of just different parts of the world, just what the news decided on that given day. Yeah, that's really cool. I like the the idea of bringing in kind of that international perspective, especially places you've been. That's a really fun, uh, fun and exciting tool to use. Absolutely. So on your website, you mm-hmm. state that you help readers find themselves while falling in love. I try. <laughs> I know. Uh, so what have you found out about yourself while writing these stories? Oh my goodness. So much. I, about this in particular, it's just the ferocity, ferocity. Well, I can't even say that word. The ferociousness of family and of love and having someone to fall back on is such an important part of every human nature of every human's needs and human nature in general. And, you know, brothers helping each other, but also being super competitive, you know, you can have your friends, your family, and you can love them. You could be going for the same thing. You both could be writers and both support each other. And I really believe that, you know, you don't ever have to walk on someone to get to where you are. You just, you can hold their hand. You can, you know, take a, take a, a, a grab, a lift up from them. If you want, you know, you can help others up. I just really believe in lighting paths and giving other people opportunities. And this is a series where these girls are given this opportunity and we see opportunity every day pass us by. And I'm trying desperately to see the signs that are there and making sure to grasp them when I can. That's excellent. I love that. So as a romance writer, do you have a favorite romance trope, like enemies to lover, or, or there's only one bed, or something else? Only one bed. That's funny. <laughs> um, you know what? I I'm really a diehard for accidental pregnancy. <laughs> I do. I love it. I think it's ridiculous. It's absolutely so 
silly because as women, we are very capable of preventing pregnancy in, you know, most circumstances, hopefully, you know, by at least trying to prevent it. <laughs> but I really love reading that when it happens. I love um, enemies to lovers. I'm sure if you wanted to go like a big one, of course, those are always awesome. But I think you got to be in the mood for it. You don't always want that hate, hate and push and pull. Sometimes you just want that reality and the sweet, you know? So I think that stories that have too much shock value, I'm not interested in. And I I tend to go, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm out. (laughs) And you only have so many books you can read in your life. I literally, I'm going to share this with you because I had this epiphany and it freaked me out. If I'm 42, which I am, and say I read hundred books a year. Okay. I can, and I die at 80. Just I'll give myself to 80. I can only read 3,800 books for the rest of my life. Let that sink in. As a book nerd, that sounds so small. (laughs) So now I'm really thinking about it in the way of if this book isn't bringing me joy, you know, if it's not giving me that fix I need, I'm going to move past it. (laughs) And I think Kindle Vella totally allows you to do that. It is absolutely the perfect way to go, "Mm, not feeling this anymore. I'm going to go switch over to Bug by Callie Chase and rock that one. And, you know, which is my favorite right now. I'm totally obsessed with Bug. So everybody should read it. Please read it. Um, Please read it and then (laughs) private message me. Let's chat about it. Um, It's, there's something for everything, everybody in Bella and that serialized fiction with it being short, I read it so quickly with, with my kids in the, you know, waiting at school and while I'm in the car ride, if I'm at the grocery store waiting in line, I'm like, ah, instead of playing Candy Crush or whatever, you could totally be reading something and enriching your mind and your soul. And I just, I'm here for that. <laughs> I love it. That's such good advice to other readers is that, you know, if you're, if you're into something, you're in the first few pages and it's not for you. It's not for you. And you don't have to keep reading. You're you're allowed to give yourself permission. Um, And Vela, perfect platform to test that out on. It really is. Yeah. Speaking of Vela, you're killing it. And uh, (laughs) when we are, I'm curious, uh, have you had any? I know, it's awesome. Um, Look, I'm getting pink. You can't see, but you you readers, I'm getting pink thinking about it and talking (laughs) about it. I'm like... (laughs) Oh. <laughs> well, it's it's rightfully due. Um, but have you had any audience feedback or participation uh, that's kind of been helping drive the story? Yes, absolutely. Because I have um, the Marriage Auction Facebook page on its own. So people comment there. But I also have my readers group, Audrey Carlin's Wicked Hot Readers. And in there, I'm able to post like, oh, Dakota's doing this. And they're like, no, oh my God. Or I can post like, For example, um, I posted a picture of a ring that one of the women picked out in my feed and everybody's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Another one's like, eh, it's too, too cheap. And I'm like, yeah, but the girl who picked it out is from a trailer (laughs) (laughs) and she wanted something small, but it's, it's fun to talk back and forth with them and to see who they're really connecting with. Like in the beginning, it was all team faith. Everybody was team faith. And then it switched to Ruby for like around episode 10, 11, 12. And now it's 100% Dakota. Everybody's on team Dakota. They want to see this fight go down. (laughs) And that the fun of it is being able to switch so quickly 
to the next person's thought processes and feelings and story. And the, the platform made it so easy to do. That's awesome. So was there any kind of research that went into crafting this world of millionaire auctions and rich lifestyles? <laughs> yes, yes. I um, Well, the good news is I've been to Oslo. So I knew a lot about, you know, I know a lot about in the future how that's going to roll downhill when, you know, he takes his bride to his homeland. And I also, I've been to England in London. So, and you know, it's funny because I have one of my readers is a Brit and he keeps telling me, you know, he's helping me with the phrasing because I use words like England and they're like, well, we don't really say England per se. We use Great Britain or Brit. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because I'm an American and I straight up went to England. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's not the way we call it here. The UK, that you know, they use different phrasing. So I'm learning a lot from him as a reader and he's giving me tips to make things a little bit more realistic from like a posh Brits perspective versus someone who may be from another side of the tracks in um, Britain instead of England. So I'm learning that. And then, you know, I have readers that are in the South. So I have beta readers that are of different nationalities. So I always take little bits and feedback from every single one of them. It's it's quite a wild experience because I write an episode usually on Saturday or Sunday. I send it to my editor and then I send it to my beta readers. I have six of them and all of them read it immediately and respond immediately. And so I know right out the gate what the reader is going to potentially feel when they experience that episode. And if I need to make some tweaks, if I feel like I need more suspense or maybe I gave away too much or maybe they're confused and they're like, I don't even know what that is or they forgot. Because these up the one downside to serialized fiction is that you've read I'm at 20 episode 23. So something that happened in episode five is very real to me because it's my story. But they haven't read it in how many episodes? So they kind of forget. So you have that that little tinge of having to remind the reader a little bit about some things that came before because a lot of them are not reading this consecutively. So there's always research. I think every author researches. God, I hope every author researches. Because <laughs> if I'm the only one, I'm like, I'm working too hard. <laughs> well, it, it shows. And yes, I also hope everyone researches. <laughs> um, is there anything you haven't explored yet, either in this serial or in other works that you plan to or want to? I have never done any form of paranormal or fantasy writing and I'm that's all I'm reading right now which is crazy it's like once the pandemic hit I wanted personally to escape reality and that's why I started writing marriage auction I really wanted something that was a little kind of out there and a little taboo a little unusual something that isn't part of the norm you know because what we write is pretend like this isn't real unless you're writing autobiographies or you know fiction I mean um nonfiction nonfiction, then you're writing pretend. So it's, I wanted to escape. And so now I'm like obsessed with Nalini Singh's Archangels and the Guild Hunters. I'm loving Rebecca Zanetti's Dark Protectors. She also has Wolf on Kindle Vela. Everybody should read it. It's amazing. Um, I, I want to write something like that. So I'm kind of working with another potential co-author because they have more experience than I do in that in that world and in world building and growth of the paranormal side. I'm kind of a girl like, ah, I could just write whatever I want. 
But there are some parameters I find with fantasy and paranormal where you're kind of like, no, the readers will nail you if you don't get some of these things right. And it's not just all pretend. It's it's mythology and it's like the way the world builds and prophecies and it's very, very daunting and scary. Yeah. And <laughs> so, a lot of tropes and things that have come before that they uh, expect and yeah, things to be that way. Yes. And sure. you don't want to copy anybody. So I want to come up with every brand new thing that's never been done before. But then there are things that you have to do. You know, if you're writing a vampire story, you have to decide, do they drink blood or do they not? Like, this is a decision that you have to make. It does. Can they drink blood from humans? Can they drink blood from animals? Can they drink blood from only other vampires? It's every little tiny thing you want to write in a paranormal or fantasy has 5,000 questions to it. So yeah, I want to try, but I'm scared. So we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) JP and I are both uh, big fans of collaboration and co-writing. So I hope you enjoy that because I just think it's a a wonderful process and it gives me so much more enjoyment and motivation when I'm writing. I I wrote one title with, during the middle of the pandemic, I wrote Love Under Quarantine. with Kylie Scott. And it was so fun. We burned through it. We wrote it three weeks. It was the most fun I'd had during the pandemic. It was just like this release of tension and upset and heartache. And it really kind of helped me get through that time. And now, you know, as any, any author knows, this is a very lonely business. It can be so isolating. We're at home. We're constantly behind our keyboards. We're in, you know, the only people living are in our heads. So it's, it's very difficult to do the same thing day in and day out without getting down or, or needing that pick me up from friends and family. So writing with another person has that almost like that give and take that you want of, of sharing something and community. So I'm looking forward to doing a little bit more co-authoring in the future. That's excellent. So let's say that you or a past version of you had participated in a social experiment and won $3 million. (laughs) What would you do with the money? Well, I think everybody would like pay off their house. (laughs) I think that's a pretty common, you know, realistic, responsible thing to do. Um, But I probably would travel. I, I would travel the world. I mean, I think that that's I've done a lot of traveling, especially because of the success of Calendar Girl and um, some of my other titles abroad. That's why I cannot wait until Kindle Vela launches eventually, hopefully, God willing, internationally, <laughs> because the international readers are very frustrated right now that they can't read marriage auctions. So I'm finding a workaround for that. But I would travel a lot and experience as much as I could because, you know, you only get one life. Absolutely. I love that. So as a final question, what do you like most about writing serial fiction? I like that it doesn't have to end. (laughs) I have no pressure to end this saga. When I read on the forums, oh, you know, I only have two more episodes to write. I'm like, "Ah." I have 2000 more to write. I don't know. I, I honestly have no clue. My, my goal is to really flesh out these characters in a way like I did with Calendar Girl. And that was one woman, four full length novels that were over 400 pages each. So I'm not putting any pressure on myself to speed up or, or get to the, to the climax of, of each, you know, woman's journey. I, I, I want to have hills and valleys. I want to have roller coaster rides for every single one of them. 
And I kind of want to make it like a soap opera in a way. This is something that goes on. And when they've maybe had their happily ever after, maybe I'll start another auction. You know, it's, it's, I've got characters ready to go for that too. Because when I first started this, I had six. And then I was like, oh, it's too much. <laughs> I'm going to take a couple out. And, now I, and that's the beauty of Bella is you can throw people back in. You could do any perspective you want. You can write non-ending or you can end it and put it up there. And people have something to read quick and fast, just like a novel. So it just depends on what your mileage is and how you want to experience a story. Yes, I love that so much. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I hope everybody is reading Bella and enjoying everything that it has to offer. Absolutely. Our thanks today to Audrey Carlin for letting us share their episode. If you liked it, you can read the first three episodes free on Kindle Vela. The link is in the show notes. We want to thank you for listening to the Reader Serial Fiction Show. If you know someone who might enjoy the show, send them your favorite episode link. And if you want to leave an Apple podcast review, we read all of them and use your suggestions. You can also leave a comment on the episode on our website, SerialFictionShow.com. We'd love to hear from you. And finally, we have a Patreon where you can get Serial Fiction Show episodes early. We also have tons of other things in the works. So check us out at Patreon.com slash Serial Fiction Show. Thanks. And we'll see you next time with another Serial Fiction episode. And, and that's, that's a wrap. A wrap. What the hell are you doing? We know. just did that. Oh, I like skipped a whole thing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and we're done.